Hello. Hi, this is Father Larry Richards, and you are with Anchored in Hope, a podcast that we do on a weekly basis just to answer your questions about the faith, about evangelization, how to grow deeper with Jesus in your life, because that's all that matters is Jesus. So it's always about hope. And so hopefully, hopefully, at this uh, during this time, you get and you walk away more hopeful because of the presence of Jesus here and in our hearts and in our lives. So the first thing we got to do, as always, is pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we know that you're present to us. You are closer to us than our breath because of your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to stop for a moment and become aware of you and become aware of your presence all around us and within us. Because, Father, so often we just put you and categorize you as part of our lives or in the corner of our life, and you want to be our life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we need to stay focused on you, not the storms around us, not ourselves and our desires and our wishes, not the world, the flesh, and the devil, just you. The power of the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, how are you? Blessed, I'm sure every one of you have said. You are blessed, because that's always we are blessed by Almighty God. He keeps us alive. If you're still breathing, there's always hope. If you're still breathing, God, you know that God loves you and he's given you many and many a chances. So never despair because as long as you're breathing, God has a plan for your life. So focus on that. Grab hold of that. Grab hold on the person of Jesus. That's all that matters is Jesus. But we got to make sure we stay focused, okay? So again, the way we do this podcast is we have emails that you have sent us, and you have also, uh, you can do, if you're watching now live, you can put on the chat on the side and type in a question, and again, I'll get to as many of those as I can, okay? So again, uh, I've had a very busy day so far, I just can't even imagine, not two seconds since I've been up early this morning, and uh I have a very busy busy evening yet in front of me, so I just ask you for your prayers that uh, I can stay focused and I can stay focused on Jesus. That's the that's what it you know. It's the hardest things for me is I get so caught up in all the different things I'm doing, and He just keeps reminding me, "Are you looking at me in the midst of all this, or are you looking at all these things?" And I get in the most trouble is when I start looking at everything else other than Jesus. It's just that simple. And I don't know, maybe you're like that too. I don't know, maybe. But I know we all can get like that, but we have to keep focusing on Jesus, keep focusing on why we're here, keep focusing on all this stuff. And I think that, again, the part of the problems with the church today is people are looking at everything else instead of looking at Jesus. And they're arguing about everything else. And it just wears wears me down and that's not what God's calling us to do and and so I just want you to all of us we need to just stay focused on Jesus and not get caught up in all those other things that isn't important what's important is Jesus and doing his will that's all that matters that's all that matters that's all that 
matters. So let's begin with a question first. It was, I have a bunch of questions here, but we'll start here with some of the email because I have a lot more email questions that I haven't had a chance to get into. So we'll try to get as many as these can so we'll get caught up. Hello, Father. This is from Susan. My 19-year-old daughter has fallen away from the church and her faith. She comes from a family that practices faith, which we do have room to grow. And after listening to every week, I'm sorry. Yes, of course, we all do. I have so much to grow in. It's unbelievable. Sadly, when asked why, her response is, I believe in God. It just isn't important to me. Of course, that breaks my heart. And I love her where she is at and pray for her to return to her faith, the church, the person encounter with the living God. Her boyfriend comes from a complicated childhood and does not profess any particular faith, but recently has been asking faith questions about Catholicism, God's way of reassuring me to trust him and continue to pray. He would like to read something that easily explains the fundamentals of Catholicism in a simple context. I'm sure you will agree that the Catechism of the Catholic Church, I was going to say, is not light reading for a beginner. You got that right. Can you recommend an author or title that we could share with him and introduce him to Catholicism? You betcha I could. There's a couple different things. First, don't despair about your daughter. Sometimes, most of the times, kids have to reject what you taught them so they can accept it for themselves. And when she says she believes in God, but uh, it just isn't important to her enough, she doesn't have the encounter with the living God yet. You know, she knows about God, quote, unquote, but she doesn't know about God that loves her. And I think that when we focus, like when I'm dealing with kids, and I still deal with kids, even though people think I'm old, I'm not that old. Anyway, I always begin where they are. And where is everybody, but especially kids, in need of being loved? Now, if we meet them there, and we talk about the deepest need in your heart is to be loved, and when you try to fill it up with all these other things and nothing works, you got to get back to the one who created you, who is love. And no one will ever love you the way he loves you. You know, again, we can scare people into the faith. People do it all the time, and they get them for a while. And we can get them to get caught up into other things. But the biggest thing is they got to know about the love of God in their lives. And I, as many times I say it, I just don't. I think most people in the church have never had an experience of being loved by God. They want to make sure they get to heaven. They want to make sure that they do all the things right. They've read all this stuff. Yes, but you can read the catechism. You can read scripture. If you don't do it with faith, it means nothing. It's just like reading a book. You have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you got to do it uh, by having this encounter. So it's got to take time. So the biggest thing to do is just pray for your daughter. A great one to uh, also ask you to pray with her. If with you is St. Monica, because look at all the things, and St. Augustine became one of our greatest saints. So you can ask St. Monica to intercede for her. And because you're her mother, you can also take her and put her in our Blessed Mother's arms. Because I've never lost anyone I've given to Mary. Mary will lead them to Jesus. So don't despair. Now, for the second part of your question, how can I, you know, what kind of books? One of the, the most basic books um, is something from Dr. Scott Hahn, you know, Rome Sweet Home is a good one, talks about basic Catholicism, and he deals with, uh, you know, the, the, the arguments about why not Catholicism if the kid has ever grown up in anything, you know, any kind of Protestantism. But if he has absolutely no faith, you don't want to just start with Catholicism. You might want to start with something basic. A very basic thing is mere Christianity 
by C.S. Lewis. Now, in mere Christianity, of course, C.S. Lewis wasn't a Catholic. He's more Catholic than a lot of Catholics, so let me give you a hint. But he deals with, he was an atheist, and why he became, in this mere Christianity, he talks about why he came from being an atheist to being a, a theist, meaning he believed in God, to believing in Jesus Christ as the Lord God of the universe, and how he got there. And I think, again, it's meeting people where they're at, Instead of saying, hey, you got to come to where we are and you got to know Jesus and you got to, we have this uh, Christian and Catholic uh, speak, so they have no idea what we're talking about. But C.S. Lewis deals with very basic stuff about how we know there is a God and how he's, a, he's more than just a God. Because a lot of people believe in God, but they don't believe in a personal God who cares about us, it's in relationship with us, it comes and becomes a man and dies for our sins. They see a judgmental God, they see a philosophical God. God, but they don't see God. So, again, if he wants to know more about Catholicism, you know, uh, again, uh, Scott Hahn's book on uh, uh, Rome Sweet Home is a good introduction to Catholicism. But if he needs to go even more basic, I'd start with C.S. Lewis's uh, Mere Christianity. It's helped me when I was young and I was searching, and I'm sure it'll help him too. Okay, thank you. So, here we go. Good afternoon, Father Larry. Can the Blessed Sacrament be exposed during Mass or after the reception of communion? Curious to know, as Pope Francis used to do that as a period of spiritual communion. Well, if you just receive communion, you don't have to put out the Blessed Sacrament. You know, you, you couldn't put it during Mass. You could not put Jesus out in um, the monstrance. You could, because that's two different things going on. You're having adoration and you're having mass, and that's two different things. But what you can do is, like often when I'm doing a parish mission, or not so much a parish mission, but if I'm doing a retreat, and we end with the mass, then I'll leave Jesus on the altar after they've received communion. Now, again, I always tell people, you got to remember, don't, uh, too often people leave Jesus on that altar. And especially after they've just received communion, I go, you now are the tabernacle of God. Wherever you go, you're the tabernacle. God doesn't stay with you. Jesus doesn't stay inside of you for five minutes. It's okay, I'm out of here. Jesus is inside of you just as real as he is in the tabernacle. So you gotta. You don't need a spiritual communion at that time. You need to be still and focus on the reality of, again, focusing on Jesus who lives inside of you. Now, if you can't receive communion, to do that afterwards, you know... Um, uh, like after Mass, he's still in the tabernacle, so you don't need to put the monstrance out. You know, like people often will say, Father, can we put the monstrance out? And I says, he's already in the tabernacle. You can go and make uh, spiritual communion in front of the tabernacle. And sometimes people say, well, Father, the church is closed. And I say, you can make spiritual communion in front of the church. Why? Because the whole church then becomes a tabernacle. You know, if your churches are locked and, uh, you know, some people, some parishes keep their church doors locked, I don't think that's of God. I really think we need to keep our church doors open at least part of the day so people can come in to pray. But again, what I tell people is just park your car in front, stop in the parking lot and just look at Jesus where the tabernacle is and know that the church now is a big tabernacle. Jesus is still truly present there. And you can make a spiritual communion, but you can make a spiritual communion anywhere. You can make a spiritual communion right now because again, why? Jesus lives inside of you. And so you stop and you say, Jesus, from the last time I received communion, I know you're still inside of me, but I ask you to now uh, focus 
on you and not focus on me and focus on your presence inside of me because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, sometimes instead of becoming Eucharist, we leave the Eucharist in the tabernacle. Instead of becoming Christ, another Christ, you know, again, Galatians 2, 19 and 20, I no longer live, Jesus Christ lives inside of me. If we believe that, then we got to start living that. You know, again, what people do is they'll sit there and they'll start, you know, arguing with me about these particular things. And I'll say, just let's go back to the word of God. What does the word of God say? Is Paul a liar? Is Christ a liar? You know, again, when Jesus says, we will come and make our home with you. Is he a liar or does he live within us? He lives within us. We receive him in Eucharist because the same thing, every time you eat, that becomes part of you. You become one with the food you have eaten. That Everything that we are is because of the food we have eaten. When we do the same with the Eucharist and we eat every day, right? Because we continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. We eat, uh, receive the Eucharist once a week or at least, at least once a week or every day as I do. So I can continue to he must increase and I must decrease. But the focus always got to be that it's Jesus inside of me. It's Jesus people see. They don't look at me. They see Jesus. And it's a process. But, of course, so we don't uh, mix sacraments or the sacraments uh, things together. So uh, when you have exposition, exposition could be right before Mass or right after Mass, but not during Mass, and they're very clear about that. And then it has to, the monstrance cannot be present during that time unless it's getting ready to be exposed right after Mass. But, um, and I don't know, again, what you're talking about with Pope Francis, it'd be interesting to see how he does that. But liturgically, you're not supposed to do that. But the Pope makes his, uh, he can, and he can make his own law because he's the supreme law giver in the Catholic Church. That's why when people go and say, he broke canon law, he can do that. He's the Pope. He can change canon law like that. He doesn't need anybody's permission. He's the Pope. He can do those things. And again, so that's why I go crazy when people say, well, the Pope, oh, shut up. Just shut up. The Pope can do anything he wants. But you're not saying he can't. I'm just, for those people who still watch this and will make some kind of comment, and, but I don't really care. I'm willing to die for the Pope. And if you're not supporting the Pope, you're no longer Catholic. It's just that simple. I don't care how conservative you are. You have separated yourself from the Holy Roman Catholic Church. Period. Comma. End of all paragraphs. He said gently, kindly, and compassionately. I need a drink. Don't worry, it's just coffee. And there's nothing else in it. Okay, so let's go to another one here. Greetings, this is from Janet. I have a question. As a convert to the church, I was never taught Latin. Sometimes there's a Latin mass. Is this not taught at all anymore or certain parishes teach it? It would be nice to learn the basics of pronunciation and proceed from there. <laughs> I'm the last one you should ask because I don't know any Latin at all. Uh, we're supposed to know certain Latin. But again, no, let's go back. Like a lot of my parishioners have went to the Latin Mass and they have now joined the Latin Mass, which is fine because my parochial vicar is the one who has the Latin Mass now. But part of the problem is, is that they, they, and they sit there and they talk about just sit back and let the holiness envelop you. Well, that happens at every Mass because Christ envelops you. 
The problem is, is when people think that it's more special than an English Mass. It is not. That's not the teaching of the church. If that helps you to pray more, that's uh, unbelievable. Go for it. But it's not more holy to go to a Latin Mass. You know, once I was doing, uh, years ago, I was at Notre Dame, and I was getting my degree in liturgy, and someone, I, and I used to have a, uh, do adoration for people there as a priest, and they says, Father, can we do the Latin, uh, can we do it in Latin? And I says, I'm sorry, I never took Latin. I don't know any Latin. I know I'm a bad priest and I'm evil and I'm going to hell forever because I don't know Latin. But I says, uh, but why? Can you tell me why? And he, the guy says to me, because we all know, Father, the devil's more afraid of Latin than he is of English. Shut up. Just stop it. You know, really? Is that really what we do? Jesus maybe spoke Latin. The early masses were not in Latin in any way, shape, or form. The early masses were in Aramaic because that's what the Jews spoke. They spoke that. That's the way the last ma- the last supper was. The first mass was in Aramaic. It was not in Latin. Now, Everyone had their own way of saying mass for a good first couple hundred years of the church. That's why still to this day, there's many different rites. The Latin rite is not the full rite. It's not the only rite in the church. There's Marianite, there's Greek Catholic, there's lots of different rites. And so you can go, they're all under the Pope and go to one of those other masses, speak the other languages, and they're all 100% okay. We're not the only right, even though we're snobbish enough to think that Latin is more powerful than anything else. It is not. The reason we went into Latin, and that wasn't until uh, like Pope Gregory, about a thousand years, we're already a thousand years in the church, to show unity within the whole church. And they went to Latin because that was called the Vulgate. You know, like the first uh, scriptures were written, Jesus spoke in Aramaic, the scriptures were written in Greek, most of them, and then later they were translated by St. Jerome, you know, St. Jerome, to the Vulgate. The Vulgate means what? The, uh, the language of the people. And what was the language of the people then? Latin, right? That was what they spoke in Rome, okay? But the church is bigger than Rome. From the very beginning, there was a church in Constantinople, right? It was in Rome. They didn't speak. I don't know if they spoke Latin, to tell you the truth about, uh, if I'm not going to take that too far. But again, though, the uh, church says, okay, now we're going to have Latin to show our unity. And it's a beautiful language, and it's glorious, and it's still the official language of the Roman church. So it's a great thing. My only concern is when people think that they're better than everybody else because the Latin mass they think is better. That is heresy. It is another way to worship God and receive him. But again, sometimes people are just so focused. And I say, what is the fruit of this? Do, are you more loving now of other people because you go to the Latin Mass? Are you taking care of the poor more? Because that shows whether what you're doing in prayer at Mass is really a valid reception of God. There must be fruit. What is the fruit? Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. So all of us, our fruit should be, we're living God's will, which means all people will know you're my disciples because you love one another. So when I go to an English mass, a mass in Aramaic, a, a Greek mass or a Latin mass, am I more loving because I've went to that mass, loving of God, worship of God, of course, but loving of others, because whatever you do to the least my brothers or sisters, you do unto me. It's not either or, it's both and, period. 
that's the teaching of the church. So we got to make sure that we're doing that. But let's say, like, again, when my people that says, you know, Father, we like the Latin Mass, God bless you. If that's going to make you pray more, then go there. Of course, just don't think you're better than everybody else who doesn't. Like, again, someone look, sometimes people look at me and think, well, you don't know any Latin, Father, so you can't be a real priest. Really? I am the persona Christi, whether I speak in Latin or whether I don't, period, teaching of the church. So we got to just watch how our humanity can really take over our spirituality, and it gives us another reasoning of being superior, prideful, all those things, and you can do that in the English Mass too, but we just got to know that if that's the way you're going to pray, and, you know, I do, when I say I didn't know any Latin, I lied, I, I sing a lot, the Salve Regina, Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, and they sang it at my first Mass, and, but that's the Hail Holy Queen, I still know that, and it's the only thing I really know. Okay, <laughs> I know it's too much information for some of you, but just so you know. Okay, let's go on. Chris Walker, here we go. Hi, Father Larry. Today is Genevieve and Jude's sixth birthday. The twins, good job. Happy birthday, you two. One of you better be priests. Well, both of you can't be priests, but one can be a priest and the other one can be a nun for habit. It'll be the greatest thing ever. So, very good. Hi, and this is from Jane Franklin. Is your book on Our Father ready to be published? No, it's not. I'm anxious to read it. <laughs> I'm anxious. To, I was uh, praying about it this morning. Uh, there's just so much going on in my life always, but we have a new uh, associate at my parish now. I got a new secretary. Uh, we're the foundation. We have our board tonight. It's going in a different direction. Uh, my Everything is in disarray, and so I, I'm like, okay, okay. I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to get done. I got a lot done today, and I got a lot done yesterday, so I just need to, uh, if I can get the, my, for everyone, just so you know, my, I've been a pastor for 19 years, and my main ministry is being a pastor, you know, and so my being on the road, my writing books, my doing podcasts is extraordinary, but my main job is to be pastor, and so often people call in and say, you know, Father, can, can you come, and uh, I know you're busy, but can you do this for us? Can you meet this? Can, can you do something or ask certain questions? I, and I just, I, if I would go all the different directions people want me to go into, I would explode, literally. So I got to always say, okay, my very first focus, I got to keep my priorities straight, is my parish family. And sometimes when I've been on the road in that, I'm always back at home on Sunday for the 11 o'clock mass. That's always the deal. Very rarely do I miss it. Every once in a while I do, can't be helped, but that's my big thing, you know? And so, so often like I get uh, uh, hurt by my parishioners because I really try to no matter what to come home for that mass, that I want to be faithful to them. But sometimes all my parishioners, they don't care about actually coming to Mass at our parish. They'll go anywhere else, no big deal. Oh, Father, at least I went to Mass. Well, yeah, it's true. But yeah, yeah, we're a family, and it's important we come. Now, again, there are times when we can't do that. But, you know, I always tell people, you got to stick, grab a parish and stick to it because that's got to be your parish family, and you got to be involved. If you're not involved in your parish, that's not God's will. God wants you to be involved. We are a family. So as I tell people as they come to join the parish that there are no takers in Christianity. 
You just can't come and throw your $5 in a week or whatever. God has plenty of money. He wants you, a disciple. He wants all of you, not just your cash. And so you got to be involved in your parish. And when I do a mission, I really give it to the people. Are you a taker? Because if you're a taker, you're not a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus are always giving, always serving, always loving. That's what's got to happen. So, and I really think that'll be the transformation of parishes. Once we fully get disciples there, instead of like, this is my country club and I'll stay here as long as I feel good. And if I, if you don't, if I don't like what you say, father, if I disagree with you, then I go to another place that agrees with me. That's not a family. That's a country club. You know, I'll give you money and you give me what I want. And if I don't like it, I'll go to another country club. That has nothing to do with discipleship of Jesus Christ. Now, if you have a pastor that's teaching heresy, okay, well, you need to go to a place where you're getting truth. You know, it's just that simple. But we got to make sure that once we're there, we got to stay committed. So again, I tell my people, I said, I've been committed to you for 19 years. This starts my 20th year. And I would like to really, a lot of them are very committed. But some of them are just, you know, I don't go there this week, no big deal. I actually miss the people that don't come. I always look at all the places, are you here? And sometimes that drives them crazy that I know they're not there. But it's not because I, I'm trying to control them. I'm trying to, we're a family. Let's co be committed to each other. So, but my parish is my first priority. So just so you have a, a sense of that. Okay, here, now we go. This is from Peter. When it comes to wearing holy medals, rosaries, scapulars, or images, do they still have blessings uh, and protection, even if the individual doesn't pray with them. Well, of course, if it's a blessed object, you don't have to pray with it. Like right now around my uh, neck is I have a bunch of blessed medals. When I have a, a big medal, this is, this is a, as it's a, this interesting story. You won't be able to see this really well, but this is a cross that was in the Holy Sepulcher, put in there by St. Uh, Helen, you know, at the very beginning, and this was found when they redid the thing about 100 years ago, there was a little thing that said, it said Helena on it, and there was a bunch of these crosses. Now, they didn't have the gold, but I lost, uh, someone stole my cross when I was in Bethlehem, of all places, uh, a couple years ago, and we were doing a tour there, and I was all upset, and I says, I had this big cross, this Matthew 25 cross around my neck since I was in the seminary. And on the front of it says, what you do, the least my brethren you do to me. And on the back it was, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, da, da, da. And so I always kept that to keep me focused. This is how I'm going to be judged at the end of time. And so when I lost that, I was so upset. And the Lord just says, stop, just go to Jerusalem. When you get to Jerusalem, you can get another cross. Well, when I went there, this great family from Australia you know, they knew I was upset, so the little girl came up to me, and she gave me this little box and says, Father, we got you something. And I said, oh, what'd she get me? And I opened it up, and it's this cross. And I, I was flabbergasted because, again, this cross was in the very tomb that Jesus rose from the grave from. This cross that I wear around my neck is where Jesus rose from the tomb. And it's old, and so it really, really touches my heart. And then I have a brown scapular. Our Lady of uh, uh, Mount Carmel's coming up, but I've always wore it. I was given a brown scapular. They used to do this in your first communion. They would install all of us, at, got our first communion, so I got that. And on here, I always put in my scapulars a miraculous medal. 
uh, because Our Lady will take great care of you. It's miraculous because miracles happen. And then there's a crucifix, again, just to remind me that uh, what Jesus Christ did for me and what I'm called to do for other people. Uh, so when you wear something blessed, it's like having a... Um, a radio that pull in the radio waves you need an antenna and the antenna takes all these radio waves and pull them in a blessed object is like a spiritual antenna to bring god's grace to you to protect you but this isn't superstition it's reality you know superstitions about we're trying to make god do things this is a blessed object we keep around us to keep the grace of god which is always around us and keeps it focused on us we do the same when we pray for people or different things so you should have always a blessed object and with you that's why you also got to watch that you're not wearing anything else you know like some italians sorry for you italians out there i'm just saying but they'll use those uh you know those um that it looks like a tooth, you know, a big tooth and uh, the devil's horn or whatever, but it's a demonic symbol, even though uh, Italians wear it for good luck. Please don't ever wear anything for good luck that goes against the commandments. You know, it's a, we don't believe in luck, people of God. Don't do anything for good luck. Do not, do not. That's putting false gods before God. And so that's when you, you don't want to bring, so if you wear something that's, uh, um, not of God, it can bring bad things to you. It can, you know, I, I've done missions and people have that horn, Italian horn over it. It's what uh, some people call it. And I'll say, you got to take that off. It's not going to help you. Well, Father, I'm an Italian. I know, but you're a Christian before you're an Italian. I'm sorry. Uh, and some of you right now are saying, go look it up. As I'm saying, Italian horns, look it up, Google it and find out Catholic Church and uh, uh, the Catholic Church and the Italian horn. Google it yourself and you'll be able to see. But it's, the question is, I always get in tangents, don't I? The question is, uh, yes, they still work if you have blessed things and everybody should be have something blessed on them. Okay, let me just make sure I think my phone is on and I want to turn off the, yeah, it's not good, I got to turn it off. Anyway, so thank you, it was a good question. So let's go on here. Good afternoon. Can you review your recommendation for a layperson's daily prayer? What's the most important thing to do first? To surrender your life to God. Completely surrender your life and your will to God's will. Again, the purpose of our life, no matter what, is to do God's holy will. So you got to make sure that, Lord, I exist today to please you. Again, when, my, when I went to Scripture this morning, before I got out of bed, it says, uh, refresh my heart in Christ. And so it was just like God saying, uh, 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 and this is in Philemon, Larry, I want you to refresh my heart. And so I've tried to live all day to refresh the heart of God. You know, I've tried. Hopefully I've done better than most days. But again, so it's like uh, the best way to refresh God's heart, if you will, is to do his will. There's nothing more pleasing than a man or a woman that desires to do God's will more than their next breath. So... So you got to make sure that that's there. You pray the Holy Spirit because only the Spirit of God can truly help you live the Christian life. You can't do it under your own power. And again, you just can't. 
don't try. It's all by God living inside of you, the Holy Spirit. And so the best thing you can do is before you listen to the world, the flesh, the devil, you listen to God. So to have your Bible next to your bed and to before you pray, open look at the Bible, you pray the Holy Spirit and ask him to reveal his will to you today. Then you take the word of God, you open it up and you read until God takes a two by four and whacks you over the head. Then you stop listen and respond you don't follow the first thing you fall into because it could say and judas hung himself and you go oh god tell me to hang myself no he's not you read until god convicts you uh and he gives you peace in that conviction you know and so um then you do that. And one of the best things you can do if you're not a good memorizer, like I remember, I usually put it down like this morning, I wrote it in my bullet journal. Uh, and so, but also you can put it in your pocket, write what God said to you this morning, put it in your pocket, and then pull it out throughout the day. You are in a daily dialogue all day with God. He spoke to you before the world, the flesh, and the devil spoke to you. And now you're responding to him all day. You've listened. Now you're responding. And that helps you grow in the relationship with God. If you write that in a journal or something in the morning, and then at night before you go to bed, you talk to him about what he said to you this morning, and you can respond. You can really watch your relationship with Jesus grow. Uh, it's just one of the things. So hopefully that, you know, and also it's important, you know, I, and when I say that, I'm telling you to do that besides like, uh, a divine mercy chaplet every day besides a holy hour if you can do it besides a uh, a rosary i would never end my day or begin my day without the rosary because our lady asks us to do it and if the mother of god leaves heaven and says say the rosary i'm gonna say the rosary you know again some people think well that's pious yeah i'm pious you know people never really know what to do with me right some people think i'm a big liberal out there you know google me and you'll find out other people think i'm very conservative and you know because i'm a screamer i talk more about hell more than a lot of other people you know they never know where to do some just dismiss me because i'm an arrogant miserable son of a son so and that's true so but again i'm just a man a priest of god seeking his will and uh whatever that leads me that's what i'll do and i just think it's important that that's where we all should be okay Thank you for, again, for that question. So let's go back here since I'm not doing a lot here. Peter says, Father Larry, I am shipping out to the U.S. Army BCT in two basic, basic training, I'm guessing, in two weeks. Will you please pray for me? You betcha, Peter. Not only I will, but all of us who are listening will pray for you. Pray for Peter who's going to basic training. So uh, that would be fantastic. Thank you for having a generous heart to wanting to serve our country. Make sure when you're serving our country, you do it for God. So you're not just doing it for the United States. You're doing it for God. And then he's calling you to do it for the United States. Make an act of love to God. And it can be a very fruitful time when you're in the service. Okay? Thank you for serving. Thank you for being generous. And we're all going to be praying for you, Peter. Uh, please pray for us. Okay. Hello, Father. I have heard that some parishes offer confession during Mass. I have never seen it. Wonder if it's uh, liturgically correct. No, it's not liturgically correct. But when I was a kid, that was... Uh, that happened all the time. Now, I don't normally do that because what happens is Mass is the most important prayer that we have. And so nothing else should be going on at Mass except for the Mass because we're participating in the perfect offering of Jesus Christ. Now, when I was a kid, I'd go to, you know, people... Um, 
you, you do realize like the reason the bells were rung at the at the consecration was because with the old latin mass people weren't paying any attention and they would say uh the rosary or do devotions while the priest was saying mass and the bells were rung to stop people say excuse me stop Jesus is present here now. Would you pay attention? So everybody would stop their rosary or stop their thing and pay attention to that reality. But no, it shouldn't happen. We have masses at my parish before mass so people can go to communion. And at the seven o'clock at night mass, I hear confessions after mass, but not during the mass. It's not liturgically correct. It is practice for some people, and I see the reason for it to make sure people uh, get right before God. But sometimes people uh, don't need to do that because your venial sins are forgiven at the beginning of every Mass. So if you have mortal sin, yeah, I can see doing that during Mass. It's still not liturgically correct, but I could see it. But if it's just because you want to... you want the grace, well, you're you're taking away for this grace, for that grace. Stay one grace at a time and stay focused on the mass, okay? Okay, let's go back to the papers here. This is from Pablo, Father Richards. Um, I'm a fan. I'm sorry that you're a fan. Don't be a fan. Just... Let's all be a fan of Jesus and not worry about any of us. The problem, if the church been these years, one of the, I always say the problems, but sometimes we've put people in place of Jesus and we, you know, follow them. And then when they go off the deep end, then we are, uh, oh, I don't believe anymore. Uh Uh-uh. You just stay focused on Jesus. We're all very, 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 very human people. And as soon as you put someone up there, they go fall real fast, you know, so... Let's just do follow Jesus. Our youngest is 15 and becoming an altar servant, and he is now full of doubt. It could have been triggered by the pandemic as he stopped going physically to Mass. Only recently I've been able to convince him to participate online. Anyway, his main point is the following. If God loves us so much and is all-powerful, why didn't he forgive Adam and Eve? Why did he put us in place instead of creating creating us straight for heaven? Why would we suffer in this world when he all-powerful could have made things differently with no more suffering? Okay, first, he, he did forgive Adam and Eve, and the, re, the way he did it was by becoming a man in Jesus Christ and dying for their sins. He not only says, I forgive you, but because God is a just God, there's two things we always got to be dealing with God, that God is a God of justice. So if he says, if you do this, you will die, you must die, or God is a liar. So when God said that to Adam and Eve, and the reason he doesn't just create us and put us to heaven is because then there is no free will. St. Thomas Aquinas said the first gift that God ever gave us was existence. That's the greatest gift just for us to exist. The second greatest gift is our free will. Why? Because without free will, you can't choose. And without choosing, there is no love. If he just created us for heaven, then we wouldn't have the free will to choose. So our time on earth is to make a decision, and God gives us what we love the most at the end. That's why it's important. I say, you know, the day you die, God's going to give you what you love the most. Will you be able? I just had a wedding, a funeral today, and I said about this great woman who died in 99. I said, when Jesus appeared to her and says, I love you very much. I'll now give you what you love the most forever. She said, I'm sure. Jesus, that's you. And Jesus gave her what he wanted, what she wanted forever. And that was him. So our time on this earth 
is to make a choice to love God and to love others freely, freely make that choice. And a lot of people never get over that. Even when they follow God, it's all about them. It's not really about loving God. It's about so they go to heaven. So we always have to have this purified. You know, so the reason, he, first of all, he did forgive them by dying on the cross for them, which is much more than forgiving. It's paying the penalty for what they did. And then the reason he doesn't just create us for heaven is because he had to give us a choice. That's always even all the way back. In the very beginning, he gave us all the things. He gave us already eternal life. It was all given. But he says, the only thing I ask you is don't take from the tree. But it was freely a choice given. They had to have a choice. They do not do or not accept God. And they took it. So that's God gave us what we wanted, and it wasn't him. So that's so it's so important. So explain that to him. Okay, I have explained to him about free will. There you go. That's a mystery, a problem of evil. Told him to pray. Does not want to because he would pray that uh, to someone so mean to put us here. <laughs> Our time on earth is uh, a struggle, but it's also a joy. It's what you decide to look at. Tell him to look at a baby. Like once I had a... Uh, I was chaplain at a hospital. I wasn't ordained yet, but I had to deal with seven deaths. And when you're dealing with people who are dying and you're dealing with their family and the crying and the pain, it's very draining. And so all I did is I went to the floor with the babies and I just sat there and I, for like an hour, just watched the babies. I had to focus on life because I was so focused on death at that time. But everything is perspective. You know, when we look at God and we say he's so mean, that's a perspective. But when we look at God and think that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's love. He doesn't just say he loves me. He dies to prove he loves me. And your son still is, has a sense of a philosophical God, not a personal God. I would encourage you to have him to have an experience of God is to have him spend time with Mark chapter 1, verse 11, as I always go back to. Mark chapter 1, verse 11. Mark's gospel, 111, chapter 1, verse 11. And let him read that verse again and again and again until he gets it in his heart, which says, You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He got to know that he is God's beloved son. And beloved means he is God's son whom God loves and he's pleased with him. And if he starts focusing on this God who loves him and is pleased with him, then he'll want to spend time with him. I really think that the devil is the one that brings all these other things up and tries to keep him to be focused on everything else. But just, just love him, keep praying for him, keep talking to him, accept him as he is, and gently push him for where God wants him to be, okay? And we'll also pray for your son. Uh, it's good to go through these doubts. I just think it is. Every time I've went through a doubt, it's made me stronger in my faith. And so it helps us to grow. So uh, doubts can be some of the best things ever because God is bigger and he can handle all our doubts if we keep going deeper and looking for truth. So, And the truth is he's loved by the God of love, okay? So, here we go. Okay, hi, Father, I have heard... Okay, got that. that uh, 
Hi, Father Larry. Our prayers are with you. Oh, thank you, Mark and Lisa. Good job. Thank you, Father, for your advice last week. I'm wearing miraculous medal. My wife and I are praying for God's will. Good job. And again, uh, just as an aside, uh, if you're interested, we're going to Italy. We're, uh, you don't have to wear, they're going back August 2nd. It'll be the first one back, but it shouldn't be uh, a problem. We're going at the end of uh, uh, like two weeks, uh, I forget exact date in October. But if you go to the reasonforourhope.org, you'll be able to see the uh, thing or just put Father Larry Richards and Italy pilgrimage and it'll come up on your Google. But I encourage you, don't be afraid. We're going to have a fine time in Italy together. We already have enough to go, so that, that's not a given. I just want you to come with me, you know, so we can hang out. You know, it's, a, it's one thing to watch me on the, here, but it's an altogether different thing to go out with me uh, in Italy, you know, and get to see Pope Francis and get to see Assisi, which is my favorite place in the whole world, and to spend time in Assisi and to get to go to Pisa and to go to Venice and to go to um, one of the greatest places there is where Padre, and not Padre, but yeah, Father uh, Tony, um, Anthony, St. Anthony's at big tomb there in Padua. We're going to go to Padua and we're going to go to Florence and it's, uh, it's going to be a great time um, so I encourage you to come again, just Google Father Larry Richards, Italian pilgrimage, and it'll take you to select international. It's a great tour and, uh, including airfares like $4,500, which is pretty good. And that's airfare, the 10 day tour, not just a seven day tour and a lot of the food. It's fantastic. And we stay at really good hotels. I've really had a fine time with this group. So I encourage you, uh, if you want to come to Italy, if you've never been to Italy, you come and we're going to have a ball, but you uh, need to be doing it here pretty soon because it's in October. But uh, right now you don't have to be vaccinated or anything to go. So, you know, come. It'd be a great time to spend time with you. Okay, here we go now. So let's go here. Yes, I agree. A good Catholic stands in prayer. Good job. Father, could you please clarify if Mary did die before ascending into heaven? Tradition has never said one way or the other. But John Paul II, the great, the saint, said explicitly Mary did die. You know, um, why? You, you can go through, like some of the tradition is that Mary had no sin because she did not have original sin. I mean, uh, so she had, uh, she had no pain in childbirth because original sin brought pain with childbirth. Uh, and death comes because of uh, uh, original sin. But Jesus Christ, who is God, died. And he had no original sin. Jesus Christ, who was God, suffered, and he had no original sin. So again, the church has never defined it, the Roman Catholic Church. There's a lot of theological opinion. It's called she fell asleep. Now, did that mean she died? Again, and there's some very strong opinions about this. And if you, go, if you ever go to um, the Holy Land, and we're going in two years to the Holy Land, so if you want to come, if you want to go to Italy this year, not in 2022, but in 2023, Excuse me, we're going to the uh, Holy Land with John Edwards in May. I think it's May 10th uh, of 2023 with the same group, Select International. But if you ever go there, there's two places that have the uh, sleeping of Mary or the uh, taken up of Mary, two different churches over there because, of course, everybody has the right site. But I believe she died and God took her body and soul into heaven. 
But again, I could be completely wrong. Uh, this, again, the church has never defined it. But St. John Paul II said, yes, she did die. Uh, but again, that wasn't a dogmatic statement. It wasn't like he infallibly declared. He was just talking, and that's what he did. Okay, so hopefully that helps you. Okay, this is from Geraldine. Father Larry, while attending Mass this week, the priest, the priest spoke of fasting prayer. I felt such emotion that I felt the Lord speaking to me. Could you please share with me your experience now you began your prayer life fasting? Fasting is something that's very important to me, not only for my health. You know, I'm a diabetic, and the thing that keeps me, like, I have been fasting, like, for many years. And I usually do a 23-hour fast or a 20-hour fast, depending on the day. And I'll offer it up, like, today I'm offering up my fasting for all priests and religious um, because more than ever we need it because uh, we just do. So I'm my fast day to day. So last night I stopped eating at 6.30 after dinner at the cathedral, and I'll eat, start eating again tonight at uh, 5.30 at the cathedral. And then I'll have a nice dinner. I don't do uh, carbs because of uh, my diabetes, but my, my sugar has been absolutely perfect. And the last month when I really focused on again, not once have I went above... A, once I did 120, which isn't too bad, but that was in a morning fast. But all because, you know, people take a lot of medication for uh, diabetes, and it's okay, but it's a, it's a problem with nutrition. You know, you're ha eating too much sugar, and it's too much even in, your, uh, in the food that isn't sugar. It just doesn't help your body. It creates your insulin very bad, and your insulin... When it makes too much, it starts, starts rotting all your uh, organs. It rots your eyes. It gives you cancer. It gives you all these bad things. So just God has really told us what to do with prayer and fasting. So, so what I do every day is I do my holy hour, and then I offer up my fast, and I do a 23-hour fast or a 20-hour fast, and then I just offer it up for somebody else. So but you can do a fasting. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be a fasting if you're just doing it for your spiritual health, uh, a fasting where you just eat regular meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but no in-between meals. You can do a fasting for no TV or no computer or no phone. You can do that a fasting. You don't have to do it every day. You can do it once a day. The church calls us traditionally to uh, fast or do self-denial on Wednesdays and Fridays, which is the Franciscan way. Traditionally, uh, by law, you have to do some kind of penance on Friday. You know, and it can be, it used to be everybody ate fish, but uh, no, uh, just no meat. But some people love fish, so that's not a big uh, penance for some people. I got lobster, shut up. You know, the reality is you don't do those things. You have to do some kind of penance. So the church says, since some of you like fish, you have to, you decide what's going to be a penance for you. So it can be fasting, it can be, uh, you know, all those things, not talking negatively about anybody. All those great things are ways of fast. And what that does, when we pray and fast, again, I've used the analogy. When we pray for people, we become a magnifying glass, and the sun is everywhere. And we take that magnifying glass and we put it over something, it's all the sun's rays gets focused through that glass and sets something on fire. We are spiritual magnifying glasses when we're praying. So when we place ourselves over other people or over situations, God's grace, which is everywhere, focuses through us and sets people on fire. So it's important when we're praying, but when we're fasting, 
It's like cleaning the glass, cleaning the glass so the grace of God is cleaning our souls. The grace of God sets the, what we're praying for people on fire in situations. When I'm praying for something and it's not getting to where it needs to be, when I start fasting, it just, boom, it goes into automatic high drive, you know, because, again, you're cleaning that stuff. Again, you got to know it's not you. It's all God. It's all his grace. You're just becoming a better instrument of his grace. And that's what we've got to be doing all day, every day, is getting out of the way and let God's grace shine through us and touch other people and reach through us and do all the things that God wants to do. So... That's what we got to keep doing. So encourage you to fast, but don't go too much in the beginning. Do it a little at a time. Do what God tells you, but fasting can really be transformative. And if this is your first time, I encourage everybody, start with just Fridays. Don't start doing all these other things. Start with just Fridays, okay? But those of you who are diabetic, and I know a lot of you are, I want to tell you about a book I read called The Diabetic, Diabetic Code by Dr. Fung. It was like, I never knew what diabetes did to my body. And then I read the book. Now I know what diabetes does to my body, and I know how to fix it. And if you do it, you'll get your body fixed, but you gotta do what it tells you. It is a problem with your food. It is a sugar problem. It just is. And a lot of uh, carbs are sugar. Not all, all carbs are sugar. So you got to watch. Well, I don't eat sugar, Father. Well, do you eat muffins? Yeah, that's going to get you. You know, do you eat cereal? Yeah, that's going to get you. You got to just watch those things. But it all explains it. For those who are diabetics, I just want to encourage you, get the diabetic code and read it cover to cover. You know, the first uh, chapter is just going to kill you. It shows you how this, uh, just like, whoa, this is what's happening to my body. This is what's happening to your body. The introduction, oh, it'll help you tremendously, and it'll keep you focused. Because why? Because our temples, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, so we got to make sure that we take care of this temple because this is where God dwells. So you, if you sit there and make sure that your church is clean and it's all these good things because it's Church of Jesus Christ, we also are the Church of Jesus Christ. We are the place where God comes to dwell, and we got to treat it as such. We don't do it for vanity. We don't do it just so I can be healthy. We do it. It's called temple maintenance. So make sure you're taking care of yourselves, okay? It's doing, giving glory to God by the way you live in your body, all for him. Okay, I got to go. Um, again, I'm praying for you every day. I'm fasting for you once a week. I love you. I uh, uh, And I just continue to do this because of that. I just ask you, please, please to pray for me that again, that I stay faithful to God. I never do anything uh, scandalous uh, in the church. I always do God's will and I get out of the way and let people see Jesus instead of me. Okay, the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect every one of you, he who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Never lose hope. <laughs>